0: good morning good afternoon and good evening or whenever you may be listening welcome to episode 44 of the hang time with Halgi podcast i am your host luke Calgerson. you know how we do these things five topics unpopular opinion let's get right into things topic number one The NBA season has begun. That's right. Just 79 days since the Lakers were crowned world champions at Disney World. Just in October, just 79 short days ago, we are already back. The regular season has begun. Last night, we had two games. Golden State Warriors got demolished by the newly put together Brooklyn Nets. KD Kyrie looks spectacular They're going to be a force to be reckoned with as the year goes on. Second game of the night, Lakers against the Clippers. Lakers got their rings. My God, the rings are absolutely massive. (laughs) They are incredible. You should go check it out. They're absolutely unreal if you haven't seen them yet. But they lost to the Clippers last night on the ring ceremony there in Los Angeles. They're all playing in their home stadiums. No bubble now. Um, You know, the the Lakers-Clippers game was kind of exciting. You know, LeBron didn't play towards the end of the He didn't play the final four minutes of the game. So a little disappointing there that he didn't play. Um, but that's what I expect the Lakers to do. I think they're going to coast through the regular season and ramp it up towards the end when they need to, when it matters most. Uh, I think that's the route that they're going to go. So... With the NBA season, all the game, all the teams are in action tonight who didn't play yesterday, so a lot of fun matchups. The Tampa Bay Raptors are going up against the New Orleans Pelicans, so that should be an exciting one. Uh, what other games do we got? There's, there's some mighty tasty games. The Mavericks play the Suns on ESPN at 10.30 Eastern Time tonight. I'm looking forward to that one. I got my Dirk Nowitzki jersey on right now as we speak. Uh, Miami, the Eastern Conference representative of last year's finals, will be playing the Orlando Magic. The Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Boston Celtics tonight at 7:30 on TNT. That's a doozy of a game, and um, Jazz. And I would say the next big game: Utah Jazz against the Portland trailblazers. So a lot of good playoff matchups from teams that I expect to be competing for playoff spots, but we're not going to break down the games. We're not going to talk about that. What we are going to talk about, though, since the season has begun, I got to get my award picks. Uh, I got to go over who I believe is going to win the awards for the NBA season. Let's start with the coach of the year award. You know, a lot of great coaches in the NBA today. Uh, just You know, you just look down the list. Eric Spoelstra, Nick Nurse, Doug, Greg Popovich, Brad Stevens. J- I could go on and on about all the fantastic coaches that are in the league right now, but the coach that I think is going to win Coach of the Year this coming season would be one Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets. Look, they were just in the Western Conference Finals last year. I know is was in the bubble. Came back from three... Two, three, one deficits to the Utah Jazz and the Los Angeles Clippers. Still got Jamal Murray, young up-and-coming player. Jokic, young up-and-coming player. They also got Michael Porter Jr., who a lot of people suspect to take the next jump in his career in year number two being fully healthy. He was a nice surprise in the bubble. I only think he's going to get better. They got a pretty solid team all around. I think they're going to fight for a top the top seed in the Western Conference. I mean, they were the two, what were they, three seed last year? Three seed last year, really solid team. I like what Mike Malone does as a coach. I, I, he he believes in his players. His players believe in him. So I expect him to keep them super competitive. They have a chance to win multiple playoff series again, maybe find themselves back in the Western Conference finals. So w- we will see. But I do like this Nuggets team. They're only going to get better. So Mike Malone, Coach of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. I'm going to have to go with the one Rudy Gobert. He finished third last year behind Giannis, who won the award, and Anthony Davis. But, I mean, Gobert just got the third largest contract in NBA history from the Utah Jazz. I mean, they are paying him an ungodly amount of money. I mean, it is just – look. Is it deserved? I mean, it's just what the market claims nowadays. It's like, you know, for a while there, the highest paid player in the league was Mike Conley, a solid player but definitely not the best player in the league. No chance Rudy Gobert is the best player in the league, but debatably the best defensive player in the league. But this man is going to get $205 million over the next five years. It's the largest. (laughs) <laughs> Third largest contract in NBA history, the largest for a big man. I mean, he's getting paid more than Anthony Davis. He is getting so much money. He's going he's gonna to be like what? Scrooge McDuck diving in that gold money pit. <laughs> the French, the stifle tower getting paid. But I think he's got to live up to that contract. With that contract comes high expectations. So he needs to up his game. Not an offensive threat. Look, he's going to give you like 15 and 13 a night. His presence is felt on the defensive side of the floor. He is one of the best, if not the best, defensive player in the league. Based on shots he defended, Gobert was expected to allow an effective field goal percentage of 52.8%. Instead, he defended shots at a 45.8%. Effective field goal percentage. Uh, that's against him. And it's not a small sample size. Since 2017, Rudy Gobert is credited with defending 4,542 field goal attempts, the most in the league during that span by a wide margin. I, I mean, you could debate that he should win defensive player of the year every year. The guy is incredible on that side of the ball he can guard big men obviously he's like 7-1 he better be able to he can also for his size shockingly at 7-1 he's got pretty good quick feet and could and can defend small guys a lot better than most of the big men in the league of all the big men he him and Anthony Davis probably played the best defense on smaller quicker guards easily put themselves in great position have really quick feet for their size so uh I expect Gobert, he's going to come out and earn this contract in this next year, showing people that he is deserving of it. Yeah, you know, I think it's a lot of money for him. I think maybe he's a overpaid. But at this point, it's a, it's a necessary price you have to pay um, in 2020 in the NBA when you want to hold on to talent and keep talent around the association. Uh, next award, most improved player. I'm going to go with actually a little sleeper pick here. Probably a guy most of you maybe haven't heard of if you don't pay attention to basketball that closely. For most improved player, I know it's going to come out of nowhere, Gary Trent Jr. (laughs) That's right, the backup point guard slash shooting guard for the Portland Trailblazers. Now you might think, well, they got Dame C.J. McCollum. How is Gary Trent Jr. going to even get time? Well, he's going to be the sixth man. Uh, He's coming off the bench. I think he'll be the first guy off the bench over Carmelo Anthony. And everyone knows how Carmelo Anthony, how I feel about him. He's a spectacular player, one of the old heads of the league, still going at it, going into what, year 17, 18? I mean, the man has put in the mileage. I really like him. But Gary Trent Jr., young, up-and-coming player. He just signed a shoe line with the Adidas, got signed by them. And kind of coming out of nowhere, I wouldn't expect him to get a shoe contract. But in the bubble, he averaged just under 17 points per game. Doubled his average from the regular season. I think kind of foreshadowing that he's going to break out this year. He Look, he got a lot of touches. He's going to get a lot of wide open looks because they got shooters all around the court there. They could even run small ball. And he can play. He'll fit right alongside playing with Dame Lillard, playing with C.J. McCollum. McCollum's battled injuries throughout the year, so Trent's going to get opportunities to put up buckets. Terry Stotts, high-octane offense. He's going to make things happen, let his guards do his thing. So I think Gary Trent Jr. is going to surprise a lot of people this season. I also think the Portland Trailblazers as a team are going to surprise. I see Terry Stotts being at the top of the list with Mike Malone for Coach of the Year. I see the Portland Trailblazers possibly getting a top three seed in the Western Conference. I think they're going to play with the chi- The whole team has something to prove after just sneaking into the playoffs in the bubble last year. I think Dame is really going to play with the chip. I just think the whole team is going to come out guns blazing. They're going to play really well, and I think they'll be a dangerous team. I mean, Charles Barkley, I think, is going a little too outlandish, saying the Portland Trailblazers are going to win the Western Conference, make it to the NBA Finals, but I'm sure that's a goal that they have for themselves considering where Damian Lillard is at in his career, the kind of players that they have on their team. They have a nice starting five. Very solid starting five. If I say so myself, Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, Robert Covington, Zach Collins and Nurkic down low, bringing Gary Trent Jr., Carmelo Anthony off the bench, Rodney Hood. They got some nice nice players there. I like what they're doing in Portland. I think they're going to make some things happen and surprise some people. So, give me Gary Trent Jr. for most improved player. For six man, the Jazz are going to win a few awards this year, in my opinion, as I see them being a top four seed or fighting for a top four seed. Donovan Mitchell is going to surprise people, but with most improved player, I mean sixth man of the year, it's going to be Donovan Mitchell's teammate, Jordan Clarkson. Clarkson is, (laughs) he's a gunner. I mean, he is going to go out there and let it fly. And the, frankly, that's what the Jazz need. Like, over the years, we've been saying it. It's like he Mitchell's a very nice player. Gobert's a borderline all-star. Like What they need, they need more production off the bench. Who better to do that than a guy who has been to the NBA Finals with LeBron James, showed up very nicely in the bubble at times for the Jazz, than Jordan Clarkson? You know, he's making... 54 million, but he's improved his three point shooting. I just, him playing the pick and roll, I think with Derek Favors is going to open up the floor. Uh, The Jazz, I think they're going to be a good team. And Clarkson, he's just a gunner. And the Jazz are going to allow him to gun and shoot away when he is on the floor to take up the scoring load when Mitchell goes to the bench. He's going to come in, let it absolutely fly. And if he can make the shots, that's all he has to do. Bing, bang, boom. I would not... He's going to definitely get some votes, and he is my pick to win it. So Jordan Clarkson for six-man of the year, for rookie of the year. You know, everyone's so infatuated with LaMelo Ball. It's a little nauseating. I'm not that big a fan of him. I think he's just... He's got a long way to go. I see potential. Like, you definitely see flashes from the little passes that he makes, but... God, he shot horrendously in preseason. I know it's just preseason, but, I mean, that's not just going to drastically change, especially when the games are going to pick up and become more difficult in the regular season. So I'm not picking LaMelo Ball because I think he has a long way to go, and I think he will have a disappointing rookie season. So my pick for Rookie of the Year would be one OB Toppin of the New York Knicks. Look. He's a high flyer. I'm i a little shocked that he fell all the way to the Knicks at what? Eighth pick? Seventh pick? I mean, he went down the draft board for whatever reason. Maybe because people thought he was a tweener of a three and four, but I think in the positionless basketball era that we're in, just put him out there. I think he's a gamer. He's got great athleticism. He can shoot from distance. He can knock down the outside shot. I mean, at this point, he's versatile enough where the Knicks got to put him in the starting lineup. And especially with the young team there are, I mean, bring Randall off the bench for all I care. You got to be starting Barrett, Knox, <laughs> Toppin, and Mitchell Robinson should all be in the starting lineup. You just got to, if you're the Knicks, you just got to be, forget it. We're just going to be, we're just going to be bad. Just accept that you're rebuilding that you're trying to build for your future. You have future pieces around you. I just, I like where Toppin is headed. I feel like the Knicks are going to allow him to do what he wants out there because they, they don't have a, a ton of things to do. I just think he has a good offensive game coming into the league, and he's going to get the opportunity with the Knicks. So give me Obi Toppin out of Dayton. And I don't think he would have gone that low in the draft had we had an NCAA tournament. I think Dayton would have gone far. He would have showed out his skills a little more. We would have seen it. I think he he would have been, I think, a top four pick easily, even top three, had they had an NCAA tournament. But they didn't, so he fell in the draft, and I think the Knicks got themselves a good one and hopefully moving them in the right direction because the Knicks are, well... The New York Knickerbockers—that's what they are—and then for the big boy, for the big award of MVP. I right, kind of touched on it. I don't think it'll be LeBron or Anthony Davis. I feel like through early part of the regular season, probably all the way till February, this team—I don't want to say coast—but I don't think they are going to go all out. Uh, just they're not. Like they just won the NBA title 80 days ago. It has not been a long time since they were just playing the highest octane basketball you can possibly play. And now they're playing regular season games. I expect them to coast through the early part of the season and then get going when they need to in the second half of the season, probably after the All-Star break. So I I don't think it'll be LeBron James. With another guy who won the award last year, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's won back-to-back. When has a guy won three straight MVPs? I do think the Bucks will be... At the top of the Eastern Conference. Again, they've had the best record the past few years. They're always a great regular season team. I think they got better, but not extremely better, of replacing Drew Holiday with Eric Bledsoe. And, you know, Giannis is a great regular season player. Chris Middleton is a really nice, borderline all star type player. Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated players in the league. They still got Brooke Lopez. But with that being said about Giannis, I don't, I don't see someone winning three straight MVPs. <laughs> it's just unheard of to me for someone to do that, so I don't think it'll be Giannis and Kumpo. My pick for MVP has got to be the, the brightest upcoming young star that the game has today, and that would be one of the Dallas Mavericks, Mr. Luka Doncic. That's right, Luka for MVP. I know a lot of people are picking him. The way he played in the bubble, he's absolutely incredible. Look, they, only ma- they managed to force the Clippers to six games, and Porzingis missed a lot of time. We saw Luka hit the step-back three-pointer game winner against the Clippers. I mean, they had no answer for him and so I'm, we're supposedly told that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are the premier perimeter defenders in the association today, but Luka Doncic torched them, absolutely torched them. I mean, he went off. He went off, and I expect him just to keep building. He, he was just, he's a triple-double machine every night. He, he can do no wrong offensively. He literally can do everything on that side of the ball. He distributes well. He can knock down shots. He can rebound. He can slash. I, he does everything. Plays off the ball well. He plays well with the ball in his hand. I, Luka Doncic is just a spectacular player going into his third year. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we love to do this. We love the new shiny toy, especially NBA beat writers who vote on the MVP award. You know, Russell Westbrook, Average a triple-double. Ooh, shiny new toy. That hasn't been done since Oscar Robinson. Oh, he's got to be the MVP, MVP. Well, he did it next year and then didn't get any MVP votes. So, so they got bored with him. And then it was hard. It was hard. Oh, my God. The, now he's considered in the conversation for greatest scorer of all time, better than Michael Jordan, better than Will Chamberlain, saying all of this. And, I mean, I don't believe that. I don't believe that, but... NBA media got hold of it. Rockets had a good year. And boom, Harden's the MVP. And then, oh, the, the Bucks past two years, best record in the Eastern Conference looks fantastic. Giannis dominant in the regular season, averaging almost 30 points. We haven't seen the kind of efficiency since Will Chamberlain. I mean, he's shooting, what, 54%? Yeah, a lot of them are dunks and all that. Doesn't really hit outside jump shots, but he gets to the basket better than anyone. Plays phenomenal help side defense. And, you know, he's the shiny new toy. He's young, up and coming, the Greek free. What is he, 26 years old? Just <laughs> going into this season alone. It was, you know, boom, shiny new toy. We love it. Two MVP awards. And so we love the shiny new toy. We love for the new thing on the block to come around and show us something. I feel like Luca has grabbed a lot of people's attention with the way he plays, the step back jumpers, the crossover, the crazy passes. He's just a gamer out there. He is a gamer. He's incredible. So he, he's my pick. And I think the Mavericks, see them. They're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be right there. And Porzingis just needs to stay healthy. And I could see them winning a playoff series and possibly having good season, good, having a good record and being spl- slotted well and setting them up with a good matchup in the postseason. Like it may be a four seed, five seed, somewhere around there. Just I think Luca will be, I think he'll average over 30. He's going to average like eight rebounds, nine rebounds, eight, nine assists. I He's incredible. He is incredible. So I do expect Luca Doncic to be the MVP of the 2020-21 season. So to run it back real quick, Coach of the Year, Mike Malone, Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert, Most Improved Player, Gary Trent Jr. Six-man, Jordan Clarkson, Rookie of the Year, Obi Toppin of the New York Knicks, and MVP, Luka Doncic. So, confident with those picks. I like those picks. Uh Uh-uh. I can sleep easy you knowing I pick those guys for those various awards. But the NBA is back. Let's go, baby. NBA basketball. You know what I'll be watching for the next <laughs> six, seven months. Let's go. Topic number two. The college football playoff is set and ready to go on January 1st, New Year's Day, and January 2nd. The battles will happen the Rose Bowl which usually takes place in Pasadena, California will be played due to the coronavirus pandemic it'll be played at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas home of the Dallas Cowboys at Jerry World that's right and the game will feature the Alabama Crimson Tide number 1 team in the country against number 4 and the rightful team that belongs in the playoff, the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Look, a lot of people are complaining. A lot of people saying whatever they want to. And recency bias just gets into everyone's head so quickly and makes us believe certain things that aren't necessarily true. And that would be the fact that Notre Dame belongs in the playoff. I I know they got manhandled by Clemson. In the ACC championship game, Trevor Lawrence came back, looked spectacular. It was an ugly game. I'll admit that. As a Notre Dame fan, did not look good. But earlier in the year, Notre Dame beat Clemson when they were the number one team in the nation. Yeah, you could say Trevor Lawrence wasn't there. It doesn't count. Give me a break. Uh, The backup for Clemson will be in the Heisman running once Trevor Lawrence is no longer behind center, under center. At, the, at Clemson, uh, it's just fact, uh, he was fantastic, he threw for what, almost 400 yards, the kid's incredible, so, and Clemson still had everyone else out there, everyone else who was still a part of that Clemson team that's gonna get drafted, that still made ACC, all ACC team, uh, all of them, all of them who are gonna be all Americans, they were still all there and they still lost to Notre Dame, so there's one, and then Notre Dame also has a better resume, than that of Texas A&M. And I really think and it sucks where this is where college football is cuz we don't give any we don't give any credibility to non-power 5 teams. You know Cincinnati went undefeated. I don't really think they were given much of a chance. Coastal Carolina, they went undefeated as well. Two very nice stories, two Cinderella stories that we always see in college football every year of a group of five school going undefeated and you know, not Given much given much love, yeah. One of them playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. You know, Cincinnati's going to play Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Okay. That's great. But I don't know. It would be nice to see one of those teams, but they don't get a real chance because of the four-team setup that we're given. So, uh, but with that being said, Notre Dame deserved a spot over Texas A&M. Texas A&M was not deserving of it. What was their one- Name one good win. Okay, they beat Florida. <laughs> All right, they beat, a, a what, a three-loss team Florida? What Florida lose, three games this year? Yeah. Yeah, they lost three games. Let's go over it. Like Florida. <laughs> so they lost to Texas A&M, obviously. Oh, and then they lost to LSU, who's on a down year. That's right. That's after winning the national championship, it's got to be one of the worst seasons after a national championship by a university ever. I mean, they have taken a huge step back, and a Florida lost to them. They lost in Gainesville at home. They lost to a bad LSU team. So, and then they lost to Bama in the SEC championship game. High shootout game, you know, Florida put up a lot of points. They also put up a lot of points against LSU, but you lost. So you have three losses. So a three, you lost. So Texas A&M's best win is against a three-loss team. Hmm. That doesn't sound like that great a resume. That doesn't sound great at all. Doesn't doesn't sound too spectacular. And And how'd they do against Bama? How did Texas A&M do against Bama? Well, they lost by 28. Oh, they got embarrassed. Oh, they were humiliated. 52-24 to 24 all the way back in October, second game of the season. I mean, they got demolished, and they only beat Vanderbilt by five. They only beat Florida by three points. Look, a win's a win, but God. And then they want to talk about, oh, some of these mediocre SEC teams would run other divisions. They'd run what? The Mountain West? (laughs) The MAC? Yeah. You can't tell me that old (laughs) Tennessee is going to go win another conference. Not a Power Five conference. Matter of fact, I don't even know if a school like Tennessee, South Carolina, Mississippi State, yeah, because that's who he's talking about. He's talking about some of these mediocre teams. The quarterback came out and said it for Texas a I don't even know his name. He came out and said, "Oh, some of these mediocre, average schools in the SEC would run other conferences." And I know they wouldn't. Arkansas is not winning at another conference. Yeah, if the MAC, <laughs> the SWAC, I don't know, the Mountain West, they're winning a yeah, a bad conference. But they're not winning a Power Five. I don't even know if they'd win the American, to be honest with you. So Texas A&M didn't have the resume. You look at Notre Dame's resume, who'd they beat? Well, they beat the number one team in the country at the time. That would be the Clemson Tigers. Okay. So that sounds about right. Yeah. Or I guess they were number two at the time, whatever you want to phrase it. Okay. And they got good SEC wins, beat Duke to start the year. They beat Louisville in a close game. You know, they put up the same kind of score against Georgia Tech that Clemson did. They beat North Carolina on the road, and North Carolina is ranked 13th, who happens to be playing Texas A&M, so that should be a fun little bowl game right there. And they did what they had to do. They only lost one game this year. They made it to a conference title game. It's more than you can say about one Texas A&M, so... Notre Dame had the better resume. They belong in the college football playoff. And then the other game, (laughs) it would be Ohio State against Clemson. So number two, number three matchup, the Ohio State University Buckeyes against the Clemson Tigers. Look, Dabo Sweeney has just given Ohio State all the bulletin board material they want. He didn't even vote them in the top ten. In his finals, coaches ranking, which is just downright disrespectful. I mean, they still won their conference. And what? Okay, look at who Ohio State had on their schedule and didn't get to play. That, that's what I, I look at. Like, who were they going to play? And uh, actually, the Sugar Bowl is Ohio State-Clemson, so my mistake there. And uh, Texas A&M plays North Carolina in the Orange Bowl. So correcting myself from moments earlier. But look at who Ohio State was going to play. And, just, and who they didn't get to play. Who, what? They didn't get to play Illinois. Pfft, uh, they fired their coach, Lovey Smith. So I, I'm going to trust that Ohio State would have, uh, you know, won that game. And um, who was the other school that uh, they had to postpone against? Um... It was Illinois-Maryland. That's right. They were going to play Maryland. Didn't get to play them. So another mm, not great (laughs) Big Ten team. I'm going to trust that Ohio State would have beaten Maryland. And then the big game, the rivalry game against the dreaded, awful, just not very good at all, Michigan Wolverines was canceled. And those are the three games that Ohio State didn't get to play. So with that in mind, and the mindset that, yeah, they would have beaten those teams, been 9-0. They beat the teams that were in front of them. They won their conference. They won the big conference. I mean, I think Ohio State, they belong there more than Texas A&M. They belong there more than Florida. They belong there more, unfortunately, than Cincinnati because Cincinnati plays in the American Conference, doesn't get any love, just like UCF a few years ago. You know, you get put in your New Year's Six Bowl game and they call it a day. They don't worry much about non-Power 5 schools. So I think with what Ohio State was given, with the Big Ten giving themselves no wiggle room to reschedule games and starting later than everyone else, I mean, remember, Ohio State didn't start playing until October 24th. Everyone else was playing a full season. Like, we knew this was going to be a possibility with the Big Ten starting later, and sure enough now we're holding it against Ohio State so uh, I think Ohio State belongs there I like the matchups you know I'm glad that the only opportunity for Clemson Notre Dame uh, game number three is to be in the national championship but Notre Dame has a tough uphill climb against Alabama and I think the Ohio State-Clemson game should be very exciting. I mean, Dabo, like I said, didn't even vote them. He <laughs> voted them 11th in his coaches' poll. I mean, he was voting teams, a uh, two-loss Georgia team ahead of them, Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati. I He he was just being downright disrespectful in his coaches' poll. But I can respect it, talking trash before a big game. But now he's got to go prove it. I mean new year's day the sugar bowl in new orleans friday january 1st people tune in a week after christmas it's about to go down notre dame versus alabama clemson versus ohio state I'm not giving you my picks yet not giving you my picks yet that forces you to stay tuned you know give you some give you something to look forward to in future's future episodes so but I'm excited. I think these are the right matchups. These are the four teams. But I, I do want to speak on it real quickly. Again, I've gone over it before that there should be an expanded playoff. Look, the playoff, the four-team setup is going till 2026. I think at this point, they're just going to ride with it. Everyone's complaining about it and say it's a broken system. You know, they said the same thing about the BCS. It's a broken system. It doesn't give teams a fair chance. You know, you're not giving light to the little guy. Okay, Perfect way to solve this problem. You're never gonna make anyone happy, but you can at least do the most and make it a legit playoff and have teams, you know, extend real invitations to people and give people recognition. Make it eight teams. Just make it eight teams for everyone's sake so we can, you're never gonna make anyone happy, so you're always gonna have people complain, but you would at least give non-Power 5 teams and teams like that an opportunity. No, you still do not have to invite every conference championship winner. You do not have to always pick a Pac-12 winner if it's like this year's Oregon team who has (laughs) a few losses on their schedule and they happen to win the Pac-12 championship against USC. You know, you just, you don't have to do that. You don't have to invite those schools. You still do it the same format. You still figure it out. still decide who are the best eight teams in the country. That's how you need to do it. That, that's just how it should happen. Like, why is it not eight teams? First of all, it gives you more games, more bowl games, you know, rotate it. I mean, more TV money. I'm sure the NCAA is salivating at that. But, see, the problem is the rankings has the idea that Florida is number seven because they happen to lose to Texas A&M, LSU, and Alabama. I mean, but here's the thing. If it was an eight-team playoff, Alabama would play Cincinnati. Clemson would play Florida. Ohio State would play Oklahoma, and Notre Dame would play Texas A&M. Aren't those kind of more of the matchups that you want to see? Like, how would a Cincinnati do against a premier program like Alabama? Okay, Clemson, you battled against these SEC teams all year. How would you do against the reigning ACC champions and Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson Tigers? Ohio State, Oklahoma – is a rivalry. I mean, we saw what Baker did a few years ago with it, playing the flag there because Ohio State did it the year before. I, <laughs> That's an interesting matchup right there. Big 10 winner against the Big 12 winner. I'm a huge fan of that. And then Notre Dame, Texas A&M. Why wouldn't we want to see those teams play against each other? I mean, it's been a huge debate to this point. This would have been the perfect year of 2020, absolute madness, absolute insanity. We don't know what we're going to hear the next day from what's going on this year, from the coronavirus to the election to everything in between. So much madness has happened. What better thing to do to add to the madness than just give us an eight-team playoff? Eight-team playoff. And even so, forget Florida. Get them out of there. Even put just this is the year, put Coastal Carolina, put an undefeated, unknown program like Coastal Carolina out there in the playoff. Put Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina at that 7-8 and eight spot. Put them up there with the other conference champions winner and the other at-large big, and then Texas A&M and Notre Dame, and let's go. <laughs> like, let's make it utter madness. So I would prefer it. How they do that. I've made this complaint many times. I just think it would make it more exciting and it would give, you know, the unrecognized schools, the the Cinderella stories, a real chance to be Cinderella stories. That's why we like the March Madness tournament. I mean, I know a lot more teams get into it, but that's the difference between basketball and football, obviously. But come on, make the change. Make it eight teams already. Moving on, anyways. Topic number three. Look. I mean, I've been away for so long, apparently we're already week 16 of the NFL season. There are only three games left in the regular season of the NFL, and it is just heating up. Things are getting excitinger by the week. I mean, it was a great last week, week 15. So now let's go into week 16. We're going to go, since it's Christmas week, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to record another podcast uh, by Christmas Day or Saturday or Sunday when the games officially start going. So we're going to give you my picks now. We're going to give you the five games and my picks for those games. So big game number one. Look, I should mention there is a game on Christmas Day, but basketball is on all day on Christmas. You shouldn't be wasting your time watching football. You should be watching the NBA on Christmas Day. Uh, it just has a better ring to it than an NFL game on Christmas. Ugh. And it's the Viking Saints. It's the snoozers. You, you can skip it. Okay? The Saints are going to blow them out. But uh, so with my five games, that's not one of them. The Christmas Day game isn't one of them. You shouldn't waste your time. So first big game on Saturday, the 26th day after Christmas, we have the Miami Dolphins taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, it's just an interesting game. I mean, the Dolphins still have a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, things are just heating up for them. As it currently sits, the Miami Dolphins would be the seventh seed. So the NFL postseason has expanded, for those who do not know. They've added another seat. So it's one through seven, only the first the top number one seed gets a first round bye. The number two seed would actually have to play. So as of right now, as it stands, in the AFC, Kansas City holds the number one seed at 13 and one. Buffalo Bills at 11 and three. At the three spot, the Pittsburgh Steelers they're 11 and three. Tennessee is a 10 and four. They hold the fourth right there though. Cleveland Steamers, the Cleveland Browns, 10 and four themselves, but. Tennessee has a tiebreaker. Sixth seed, Browns hold the tiebreaker over them. Colts have our 10-4, and four. and like I said, they're the six. At seven, come the Miami Dolphins at nine and five. So they're currently sitting pretty right there. They haven't officially clinched because Baltimore, they are still in the running for a playoff spot. So it's going to come down to the Dolphins against the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders are technically still in it. They haven't officially been eliminated. So this is a big game for both teams right here. I, Dolphins are clicking at the right time. I, I think they made the right move going with Tua. Um, Dolphins are eight and two since Week Five. Started the season one and three. Only the Chiefs have a better record during that span. Dolphins have allowed twenty one points or fewer in ten. Of 14 games this season, that's the most in the NFL. The Raiders have a minus 44-point differential, the lowest among 16 teams that are 500 or better. Uh, so one team is trending in the right direction. One team is trending in the wrong direction. The Dolphins had a, have allowed 18.4 points per game this season, fewest in the NFL. Miami has allowed uh, 30.9 points per game in 2019. So a big switch is that was the most. So they've gone from best to worst in that category. Kind of interesting there. Raiders are allowing 30.1 points per game this season, their most since their second season of existence in 1961. Again, one team is moving in the right direction. The other team is um, struggling. So it's pretty clear cut. This is just a big game because the Dolphins are fighting for a playoff spot against Baltimore. But clearly, with one team, how one team is playing and how the other is playing. Look, I know the game is in Las Vegas, but there are no fans there, so that isn't that big of an effect. I just like, I just think Tua has been better to this point. For he's given Miami a better chance to win than old Fitzpatrick. I mean, Tua has been great for them. I mean, he has stepped up very nicely. It's all. It's been a little surprising with how. Good he is. I mean obviously Derek Carr, he's been putting up pretty good numbers this year already for thrown for thirty-three thousand yards. Josh Jacobs, one of the best running backs in the league. This just it's just the defense. The just defense hasn't gotten it done for them this year. I just like where Tua's is headed. I think he gives the Dolphins a much better chance to win. Somehow the Raiders are Projected to win this game according to ESPN, but the spread, minus three for the Dolphins. Like, I don't get into the spread stuff because I don't want to lose you guys' money because I already know I'd lose a lot of money (laughs) gambling on sports. Raiders are two and five this year. They're at the, you know, at the Death Star there in Las Vegas. So I'm going to pick the Dolphins to win this one. I think that it, it might be an ugly game. Uh, in the last five, the Raiders have not looked good. I mean, they barely beat the Jets. I know the Jets just beat the Steelers, have been playing better as of recent, but, uh, I mean, they couldn't even beat the Chargers in overtime. They got blown out by the Indiana. Again, barely beat the Jets on a Hail Mary last-second play. Got <laughs> blown out 43-6 to to Atlanta. And obviously close game with Kansas City. They've played them well throughout the year. So uh Raiders going the wrong way. So give me the Dolphins in this game. In the second biggest game of the weekend. You gotta give me the Colts versus the Steelers. Colts ten and four. Steelers eleven and three. They've lost three in a row. And God, I don't like either of these quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, Philip Rivers bothers me to no end. Ben Roethlisberger, same way. He bothers me to no end. I mean, Philip Rivers has been better than Ben Roethlisberger, though, I would say. I mean, he's thrown for 3,700 yards this year. Excuse me. The way he's thrown. That much. You know, 22 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Roethlisberger, I guess, has more touchdowns. I think Roethlisberger does have the better weapons, though. He's thrown for 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Just hasn't looked great. At no point have I ever been scared of what Pittsburgh is doing. They've gone completely a game from the run. James Conner hasn't done anything. While Taylor for the Colts has been pretty solid, he's already, he has. 842-yard rush and seven touchdowns. T.Y. Hilton's finally stepped his game up after some time. Uh, you know, the Steelers just not moving in the right direction. I mean, Juju Smith-Stushner is dancing on logos and then forcing, getting blown up on hits. I mean, the Steelers just lost to the Bengals. The Bengals. <laughs> oh, my. And it wasn't even close. Like, the Bengals look way better. Like, they dominated them on both sides of the ball. And Joe Burrow is hurt. Ryan Finley won them the game. They, and the week before that, they lost to Buffalo. The week before that, they lost to Washington. So, like, the Steelers the past three weeks have been worse than the Jets. And this is, like, fact. They're averaging less points, less yards per game. They're giving up more points. I mean, yikes. Yikes, just not in a good spot. Not in a good spot for the old Steelers. I mean, I just I have little little to no faith in this Steelers team. I I was never afraid of them even at the start of the season. They're just they just aren't that good. Like the defense has carried a lot. The defense has defense has carried them to this point and the defense hasn't even looked that great and the offense has looked anemic the past few weeks and Tomlin doesn't make a lot of changes. He doesn't make a lot of adjustments. They really just go out there with their game plan, and they're like, this is where we're running. This isn't working. Should we change it up? No, we're staying the same. We got this. We're going to win. That's why why we have double-digit wins already. Well, it hasn't worked out too well for you. So, but God, both to see, and that's the problem. I don't believe in either of this team. Both of them are going to make the playoffs, but I'm not afraid of either one of them in the playoffs if I'm going up against them. I mean, if I got a matchup against either of these teams, like they both got pretty good defense, but I can you can work around that with the offenses that are in the league now. And it just—I know how this is gonna go. The team that I pick is gonna do awful compared to the team that I think is going to not be great, and they're gonna do probably well this year. Phillip Rivers or Ben Roethlisberger? Ugh, it just... I don't like either quarterback. Not a fan of either team. Just, I mean, it's a big game with playoff implication, but it's just, uh, wow, it is a tough one. I just don't like where the Steelers are going. I think the Colts are a better team to this point. So, come on, Phillip, the old man, Rivers. Show me something. Show me something. Give me the Colts. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm picking the Colts. Just think, Steelers headed in the wrong direction. Maybe they can turn it around. Maybe they could surprise me, but I don't think they're going to do it this week. I just, I'm not afraid of them. So give me the Colts. Colts are taking it, baby. Come on, Rivers. Oh, boy. I don't, I don't believe I don't believe. So that's definitely a game to keep your eye out for. Third game, Rams against the Seahawks. Uh, Rams, I mean, they just gave up their first loss to the Jets. Pretty embarrassing loss for them. I mean, how could you not be embarrassed if you're Sean McVay and company? I mean, the Rams, a lot of people were starting to believe in you. I mean, I know I was starting to be like, wow, the Rams are kind of legit. They beat the Bucs. They beat the Bears. Like beat my teams. They were beat they were doing what they were supposed to do. They were beating the Cardinals. I like, I this is what I expected them out of them. And then all of a sudden, oh, they laid a dud against the Jets. They laid a dud against the 49ers. It's like this is a defensive team, and when the offense struggles, it's like when golf throws for two hundred and nine yards and you can't do anything offensively, yeah, you're gonna lose to the Jets. Um, I mean, I just – I don't know. It's just golf, and I really like the defense. I mean, Donald's one of the best, if not the best, defensive player in the league. Jalen Ramsey is an incredible cornerback. You just – they got great talent all in all, but the offense just – they only average 24.6 points per game. The nice thing about them, they only give up 19. I mean, I'm just – They've gone away from the Russian attack. I think they might go towards that more. Uh, Seahawks are favored in this game. I just like Wilson or Goff, who are you pay, t- picking? It's not even a question. Seahawks have won four of their last five. Yeah, they lost to the Giants, but the Giants are better than people think. Like, they creamed the Jets. They had a nice win against Washington and beat Philly. They also beat Arizona as part of their last five, but just – I like where the Seattle team is over where the Rams team is. This will be a battle. This will show. Can the Rams stop a good offense? And I'm Again, the Legion of Boom might be coming back. The Seahawks have been playing real well on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they gave up three points to the Jets. They gave up 12 points to the Giants, and they gave up 15 points to Washington. Again, those aren't offenses to write home about, but they also did just hold Arizona to 21 points, back on November 19th. I mean, the defense has been get, getting better week after week. I think the defenses have been improving, headed in the right direction. Games in Seattle. They always play well in Seattle, even if fans aren't there. Seahawks 10-4, and four, top of the division. Rams 9-5. and five. Had a chance to be at the top, but blew it by losing to the Jets. I just... I don't know. This team is really hit and miss with Los Angeles. So that just leads me to believe that I would rather go with the Seahawks. Give me the Seahawks. Hawks, baby, go Hawks. Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, I I just like their offense more. I think the defense is heading in the right direction. So, yeah, give me them Hawks. Fourth big game of the weekend has to be the Tennessee Titans against the Green Bay Packers, the bad man Aaron Rodgers looking, <laughs> he's looking like the MVP. I mean, do you realize what Aaron Rodgers is doing right now, people? He's going for 3,800 yards. He's got 40 touchdowns, four interceptions. Count them, four, four interceptions. What? The bad man Aaron Rodgers, that's right. He... <laughs> Packers are 11 and three, look, they're very la- reliant on Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Ground game hasn't been there this year. They got one of the best offense, as do the Titans, though. Um look there. Packers are definitely a Super Bowl contending team. They should f- hope to find them. I mean, they're top ten in everything in the league. They got the fourth-ranked offense. Titans have the second-ranked defense, eighth-ranked defense. Um <laughs> It is. Whew, whereas the Titans drastically different. Great offense, terrible defense, and I mean, Derrick Henry's the best running back in the league. I don't know how the Packers will be able to contain him. Just who, who, we? If I do say so myself, this is the game of the weekend right here. Ten and four, Tennessee. Eleven and three, Green Bay. It's at Lambeau. Packers are six and one there this year. Packers are a three and a half point favorite. Can they stop Derrick Henry? He has 1,600 yards this year, 15 touchdowns. I mean, he's been a beast. I think the Packers need to go to the rushing game a little more with Aaron Jones. He's a very solid back. Game of the weekend right here. Game of the weekend. And sure enough, is it the Sunday night game? It better be the Sunday night game. Yep, Yeah, it is the Sunday night football game on NBC. I mean, it had to be. It's the best game of the weekend. So, (laughs) over, under is 56. Both both of these teams, I wouldn't want to play either of these teams come playoff time. Packers have won four in a row. Titans have won four of their last five. Their most recent loss came to the Browns, 41-35 to in a nice shootout game where Mayfield went off in the first half. Then they beat the Jaguars and then beat Detroit. So played some cream puffs to warm up to this game. I mean, Green Bay hasn't beaten great teams the past four weeks in their winning streak. I mean, they beat the Bears, the Eagles, the Lions, and the Panthers. Like, four teams that aren't very dangerous. The most recent loss came in an overtime loss to the Indianapolis Colts, which they shouldn't have lost because, old oh boy, fumbled in overtime. <sighs> Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, Mike Vrabel, or whoever the young coach is in Green Bay. Look, <sighs> give me the Packers. Give me the Packers. I'd rather I, – I trust Aaron Rodgers more to get the job done. I mean, he's just – how easily we just forget. And we don't even want to consider him for MVP because the Chiefs have been being, been so dominant this year at 13-1. and one. But Aaron Rodgers might be the front runner for MVP. I mean, 40 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's been beastly out there. Give me the Packers in this game. This will be a fun one. Expect it to be very tasty. Titans, though, should be noted. Five and one on the road this year, 10-4. and four. Look out. Look out. So, and then the final game. Final big game of the weekend, the Buffalo Bills. That's right. A lot of people think that they might be the best team in football as they have been dominant the past few weeks. I mean, they have been looking great. They go up against Divisional Foe and who finally has been knocked down to regular, regularity. With the rest of the league, the New England Patriots. So you might not think the matchup is too exciting, right there. You know the Patriots haven't been great; they're six and eight. Buffalo's eleven and three. I just think it's a big game, Monday Night Football. I think this is a chance for the Bills to really show their dominance against a team that they should beat. Uh, Josh Allen's thrown for four thousand yards, thirty touchdown, nine ints, and he's been great. They've won four in a row. They've beaten Denver, Pittsburgh, San Francisco. And the Los Angeles Clippers, (laughs) Chargers, excuse me. And, uh, you know, they should have, like, a five-game winning streak and even more so than that, but they lost on a Hail Mary to the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, Patriots have just struggled the past few weeks. They lost to the Dolphins last week, got embarrassed by the Rams the week before. Yeah, murdered the Chargers, but then lost to Arizona. I mean, beat Arizona the week before that and lost to the Texans. Just New England. It's a building year. They're just going to keep sticking with Cam. I like that. Don't give Stidham a chance. Like, prove that Cam can still play quarterback. They just haven't done him any favors offensively. Like, it's just, it's not your typical Patriots year. It's just, they are back to normalcy. And it just shows that maybe that old system in New England, just plug any quarterback into the system and it'll work. No, I think Brady is just that great that he makes them a 6 time Super Bowl championship organization. Uh, Brady doesn't give it enough credit. I mean, we just love to anoint Belichick as this unbelievable coach, and the system is great and unflawed, and it's like, well, he didn't win in with the Browns, and he wasn't very successful until Tom Brady showed up, so um, yeah. Give me, uh, obviously give me the bills in this game. You know, I don't think the Patriots will stand much of a chance, but You know, I think this is just to show, like, yeah, the Bills. Bills Bills-Chiefs AFC Championship game. That's what I want. That's what I'm dreaming for. That's what I hope for. So give me the Bills. So to run it down real quick, first game of the weekend, big game. Dolphins versus the Raiders. Give me the Dolphins in game number two. Big game of the weekend. Colts versus Steelers. Give me the Colts. Big game number three. Rams versus Seahawks. Give me the Seahawks. Big game number four. Titans versus the Packers Sunday night football. Give me the Pack attack. And five, Bills versus the Patriots. Give me the Bills. It should be noted, though, that another game, will just give you a quick one. Since the, since the Ravens are in playoff contention, we should mention that they do have a little matchup against the New York football Giants, who are somehow in that terrible division that is the NFC Least. They're still fighting for a playoff spot. That's who Baltimore goes up against. Look, Baltimore might go <laughs> eleven and five and not make the playoffs. Not make the playoffs. Like, that would be incredible. I mean, they're one in, uh, they got it over the Browns. So if they get the same record as the Browns, they should they'll be in over them. They finish out the year with <laughs> with oh New York and Cincinnati. Ugh. Just terrible. Just terrible games. Just bad. Just bad teams. So, like, they might go 11-5 and five and not make the playoffs. It's very possible. But I expect the Ravens to roll in that one. The game's in Baltimore, and Baltimore needs this one. They need to prove it. I think it's a prove-it game for Lamar Jackson. Just show your dominance. I mean, the spread's 11, and a, 11 points, and that might be because Daniel Jones isn't going to play. Cole McCoy's still going to be out there. Like, the Giants just aren't good. Giants just aren't good, so Ravens should win that one. But those are the games, big games of the weekend. Another just exciting weekend of the NFL, and it should be noted, uh, I, got, I got bounce. I didn't make it to the... Fantasy football championship. I was two points away, two points away from being in the championship game, and I blew it. I blew it. So hmm. football's over until the playoffs. All right, moving on. Topic number four. Let's go back to the NBA. We've had a lot of (sighs) – got to talk about this man, James Harden. James Harden, the bearded one. Oh, boy. This man has gone off the rails. I mean, now you know, we were getting, we were hearing reports that, you know, he he got to kind of do whatever he want. They came out with an article in The Athletic about how he just got to run around, just decide whatever he wanted to do, practice schedule, whenever he'd show up to games, I mean, parties a lot. You know, it's just James Harden, what you would expect from him to this point. And now the drama, He apparently he's been getting into scuffles at practice, throwing a Ball at a rookie uh, in a heated exchange, and you know he just apparently he wants out. Uh, He's made it clear that he wants to be traded, apparently, to a playoff contender. And the reports are that the Rockets are trying to move him sooner rather than later. Uh, Where I I don't think the Nets should make a deal for him. Apparently, the Heat have cut off talks about it, so they're not making a move for him. Supposedly, as of right now. Philadelphia still seems to be in contention some other teams out there but we need to just talk about James Harden the man the man the man himself well another thing that should be mentioned about him is he's under investigation with the league as a picture was just shown of him on social media and video of him at the strip club since the season's going on the NBA's got a little protocol that you can't be uh, out and about. You know, you can't be going to bars and clubs during the season. And where do we find James Harden at the club? Oh, the strip club, baby. Throwing those ones. What a just an idiot. Uh, yeah, the Rockets are cooperating. and He might not play tonight. He might not play tonight in the game if they find out that it was a recent thing and he doesn't clear a COVID protocol. It just... <laughs> Golly. Okay. This is what I need to say about James Harden. I truly think he loves the club more than the court. I mean, this man has his jersey retired at a strip club for throwing a million dollars, wasting a million dollars at a strip club. He got... His number retired at that strip club in Houston. Okay. So clearly he just loves the club. It's just, just what he loves to do. Loves being at the strip club. All right. Good for him. Not going to knock him for that. I mean, clearly he knows what his priorities are, and they're not right. But whatever. He's a grown man. He makes his own decisions. What I need to talk about him, though, is why he's not taking any responsibility for himself. You need to take some responsibility for what you have done, James Harden. So the man wants to get traded because the reports have just come out and from his camp that he thinks the Rockets are a bad organization. They're not well run. He doesn't trust the front office staff, the coaching staff, all this, all that. Okay, that's well and dandy. If you didn't put yourself in this position, James, that's right. Look at the man in the mirror. Like Michael Jackson said, you did this to yourself. Here's why. So James Harden was traded to the Rockets all these years ago from OKC just because the Rockets refused to give him $4 million. So they traded him for Jeremy Lamb. OK, great. We all know the story. Then Harden is what he is now. You know, one MVP scoring titles, all this, all that. All right. So he goes there plays nicely. You know, he's had some playoff shortcomings, all this, but let's look at it. So he started, coach was Kevin McHale. They bring in Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard still playing like an all-star at the time. You know, he's averaging what, like 19 points, 12 rebounds. That's pretty good. He made an all-star his, you know, first year with the Rockets and then was injured pretty much the rest of the time that he was there. So James got him out of town. James also got the coach out of town. He was like, I don't like McHale, so we're moving on from him. All right, so the organization does just that. You know, they do what the franchise player tells them to do, move on from certain guys, get rid of certain coaches, this, that. Okay, yep, makes sense. Then they bring in a guy who he wants, Mike D'Antoni. You know, D'Antoni's like, we're running Harden at the point guard. The offense is his. We're going to do whatever we want. We're going to go seven seconds or less. Just going to let Harden just do all the dribbling he wants. It's his offense. All right. And he becomes, you know, MVP, scoring leader. And they bring in a all-star caliber player, one of the best point guard ever, Chris Paul. You know, the tandem actually works pretty well. They make it to the Western Conference Finals. They were up three games to two until Chris Paul got hurt against the Golden State Warriors and the juggernaut that they were. They were up 3-2 Western Conference Finals. That's right. How easily we forget Chris Paul. Hamstring injury, he's done. Pretty much ends their... F- chances of winning that series so you know it goes another year with Chris Paul I don't like Chris Paul James Harden's like I don't like playing with Chris Paul I don't get along with him we need to get him out of town let's get a big contract what are we going to do well trade him for another big contract actually trade him for my best friend Russell Westbrook one of my close friends trade for him I want Paul out of town so they do that make the trade Harden Westbrook play a year together You know, it doesn't go all that great, I guess. They get bounced. Second round of the playoffs in five games. That's when, you know, the wheels come off the bus for what they decide to do. So, Mike D'Antoni, gone. He's fired or steps away, mutually parting. Whatever it is, he's gone, moved on. He knew it wasn't going to work. He knew that they weren't going to click together. So, and they bring in a new coach, Silas from the Dallas Mavericks. Daryl Morey. Steps away, you know he moves on. Now he's the president of basketball operation for the Philadelphia 76ers. So, and then Harden, you know, doesn't like playing with Westbrook. The rumors are they didn't get along on the court. They're still good friends, but they didn't work together. Play, playing wise. So, trade him, getting him out of here. I don't want him anymore. So, okay, then they played for John Wall. And then the situation still hasn't gotten any better. Harden still wants out. You know, like I said, he was getting in scuffles with teammates. When a reporter asked, Have your, uh, has the experience changed from uh, what you first thought before you had training camp till now? And he uh, just said, next question. So he's not even answering questions about the future of the team. So clearly he wants out, trying to move on. And he's blaming the organization, saying they haven't done enough for him to put himself in a position to win a championship, and they're a dysfunctional organization. James, like I said, look in the mirror. The reason they're like that is because of you. They have fired two coaches for, because of you. They have changed the front office because of you. They have brought in different all-star caliber players to play alongside you, and you do not succeed with them. The single factor that still remains in why the Houston Rockets are the way they are and what they are today is because of, Of James Harden he's the only remaining piece of what they have been for the past what seven years it's you Harden you're the reason you're the cause of the dysfunction and he just everyone just wants to make excuses for him well they haven't done enough and it's like what more do they need to do they brought in a close friend Russell Westbrook that didn't work out they brought in the point guard Chris Paul. Oh, that didn't work out cuz they didn't get along. Dwight Howard, yeah, injuries. Okay, he's gotten two coaches fired, countless teammates. They've changed an entire offensive system for him, and he's going to be a baby about it and throw temper tantrums <laughs> at practice, throw balls at teammates. Look, the leadership style, I saw something someone tried to compare it to, well, if Michael Jordan did this, we say he's a great leader and he has a desire and he wants to do everything to win. And whereas we'll criticize Harden. Yeah, the reason Harden gets criticism for doing that is because he hasn't won anything. Nothing more significant than just like an MVP trophy. That's it. He hasn't won championships. Jordan at least won. Jordan went out there and did it on the floor. Harden has his fair share of playoff shortcomings, playoff chokes. I there mean, have been a lot of times where he hasn't come through and he has blown it for the Houston Rockets. And they have given him, him the keys to the organization. He has they, he's been, according to the Rockets, he has had the final say in every decision that they have made to this point. So it was him. Yep, I want Kevin McHale as my coach. Bring in Dwight Howard as well from the Lakers. Okay? They do just that. No, nah, I don't like that. Okay. Fire McHale. Get rid of Dwight. Bring in another guy. Okay, they make moves for Chris Paul. They do that. I don't like playing with Chris Paul. Bring in Russell Westbrook. Oh, that doesn't work. Uh, Mike D'Antoni, we don't get along well. Uh, I want both of them gone. And a matter of fact, get rid of Daryl Morey, too. I'm going to go over his head, and yeah, we can get Darryl, Get rid of Daryl Morey now. He's underachieved for us. <laughs> what more do you need, James? They've done everything for you, and you have just not taken any responsibility, not taken any of the blame, just blaming others. It's a damn shame. You should, like, just just take a look in the mirror. And speaking of which, a little breaking news to make. The Rockets actually will not play tonight as the game has been postponed as four Rockets are in quarantine. Harden violated protocols. (laughs) Houston is short minimum players. Apparently, DeMarcus Cousins' John Wall will not be playing tonight. Three Rockets tested positive or inconclusive. James Harden ruled unavailable for the game. So Rockets don't even get to make their season debut tonight. I mean, the situation is just getting ridiculous. And Harden himself just, like, take some accountability. This organization has given you the keys. They've given you the keys to the franchise, and you have just been, like, well, oh, it's their fault. Well, he, was, he the coach was the problem. Uh, the players were the problem. All these people are the problem, except for the remaining outlier that is still there. One, James Harden. Mm-mm-mm. Take some damn accountability, James. Hold yourself accountable. Mm. Hold yourself accountable. So the James Harden drama, is just one. The, the NBA soap opera is just so much different than all the other leagues. Like, you don't care Here, They try to make stories about drama with other teams, but NFL teams can just sweep this kind of stuff under the rug because there are so many guys. Same with Major League Baseball, just swept right under the rug. Hockey doesn't get this kind of attention, so you wouldn't even know it. You, don't, you can't even, most people can't even name a lot of hockey players. So the NBA soap opera is just so much different compared to all the other sports leagues. And that's why I find the NBA the most fascinating league. Moving on, topic number five. NHL season has begun, well, has begun Psych. Nope, they finally just agreed that the season will happen. That's right. We are going to have an MBA MBA. <laughs> I can't even speak NHL season. This is how little I talk about hockey. The NHL is going to happen. That's right. We are going to have games. They've agreed the Players Association 56 game season for the 2020-21 season for all 31 teams. That includes the teams in Canada. They made it work. They figured it out. They're going to play Canada and USA, we are not allowed to travel, us regular citizens, but we'll make exceptions for the league, so I'm okay with that, not not here to complain about that, just glad we get some hockey, their season will begin on January 13th, everyone's in action, you can check out everyone's schedule right now if you wanted to. Um, Hockey, again, I'm not going to act like I can analyze the game and know the players and all this, like, all that. I just enjoy the game of hockey. I'm excited it's coming back, 56-game season. They're going to be playing in their own arenas. They're not going into the bubble format like they did for their playoffs, much like the NBA. Even the Canada teams, the Canadian teams themselves will be able to play in their own arenas, and that's shocking coming from the socialist country from to the north. <laughs> so... I'm looking forward to the NHL season. Uh, they've expanded as well, I believe. Uh, Seattle, right? The Kraken. Are they going to make their? Is this their first season, or do they have till next year? I can't recall. I think I think next year is when uh, the Seattle team comes into official existence. So, but I'm looking forward to it. That's all I got to say. Topic number five. Just letting you know, starting January thirteenth let's go. More sports, baby. Keep them coming. NBA's just starting. NFL's in full swing. College football's coming down to the end. Uh, just what a time to be alive. Ah. And now for my unpopular opinion. So kind of related to my last topic. The NHL is expanding. The Seattle Kraken will come into existence very shortly. They're the newest NHL team. But Adam Silver went on first take and said some interesting things on how the NBA has uh, looked into possible expansion. Oh, boy. So the NBA currently has 30 teams and could be expanding. I would like to see them add two teams. Specifically, I would just like to see them give see, this bring back the Seattle Supersonics. I mean... We know once they come back, they're going to have a huge immediate following because it's been a long time coming. They never should have moved the organization. They never should have got rid of a team. Just that whole situation is just ridiculous. And I think the NBA should expand. Why? That's my unpopular opinion. It's not really an unpopular opinion. I think it's a very popular opinion. But it needs to be said, I want more teams in the NBA. Not like an extreme amount. Don't think we need to make it like 40 teams. No. Just give Seattle a team. And then some other places I think we'll really see this year. Are, can the Tampa Raptors be have a lot of followers in Tampa? I would like to see Tampa have a team. And, look, I know we're in COVID time, minimum crowd, but they're allowed to have cr- crowds over there in Tampa. They're going to play the same stadium where the Lightning play. So uh, I do expect to go to a Raptors game this year, as I do live in the great state of Florida. So... I would like to see Seattle have a team. I'm good with, like I said, Tampa. it would be great if Tampa had a team. Maybe St. Louis can have a team. Vegas is obviously another prime spot. So my ideal thinking here, since I live in Florida, I obviously want there to be a Florida team. So it would be great just add a team to each conference right there. Just make, boom, you got the Tampa team and you got the Seattle team. Another way they could do it, I think Seattle first and foremost should get a team, but then if you're going to add one team, I think you need to add another. So, and with that, it'd be a 50-50 split of teams making the playoffs. 16 teams make the playoffs. More teams make the playoffs than not. Just think about that in the NBA. 16 teams make it. 14 teams are put into the lottery. So, I would certainly like to see Seattle and Tampa have a team. But if that can't be the case, okay, then... Let's add a team to Seattle and Vegas, and then we're gonna throw a team out west. I would say I guess considering just geographically where things are, just put Memphis in the east. It'd just be the easy way. So you add the Vegas team, Seattle team, and you throw Memphis in the east. Pretty easy right there. Um bing, bang, boom. So yeah, there's my unpopular opinion. Adam Silver make the expansion happen. Bring back the Seattle Supersonics. Give Vegas a team. Give Tampa a team. Do what you got to do so we can have more basketball in our lives, in more cities here in the great country of the United States of America. And that's the end of episode 44 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you know, check me out on social media. Feel free to hit me up if you ever want me to talk about anything. Send topics my way. Happy to talk about them. If you ever want to be a guest, feel free to hit me up. We'll hook you up and we'll get you live. We've done it before, and I'd love to have other guests on the show. Well, until next time, happy holidays, everyone. Everyone have a great Christmas. But remember, even during the holidays, during this COVID-19 pandemic, wash your damn hands. All right, I'm out. Peace.